0: Drinks, food, art, fun. This is Hops and Spirits, Kentucky.
1: Boy, has it been hot. Um, Hopefully, you've got some good AC. You've been able to go to the pool, the lake, somewhere to stay cool, Uh, because I know um, it's been a hot one in Kentucky. We're definitely experiencing summer, finally. Got another fun episode for you this week. We went um, music festivals, bourbon festivals. Last week, we were definitely in the festival uh, spirit. Now, this week, we're headed back to drinks and sake. But before that, what's pouring some news and notes from around Kentucky? The Catch Seafood Grill has been sold after 28 years in operation in Lexington. According to its Facebook page, unspecified investors have purchased the business and building an intend to transform them. Feast Barbecue and Louisville announced on its Facebook that its Jefferson Town location is now closed after 5 years of business. Its new lo- new loo- location though will stay open 7 days a week so you can still get its hickory smoked barbecue, crispy tots and bourbon slushies. And opening Schnitzel Burger will soon be home to a new breakfast restaurant later this month. Breakfast AF will be located at uh, 1008 Goss Avenue and it specializes in omelets. The restaurant isn't just for morning people either. It plans to be open seven days a week, morning and night. A new speakeasy is coming to 109 Constitution Street in Lexington. If you know the password, then be sure to check out Constitution Rare and Antique Books. The cozy atmosphere pairs well with its specialty with its specialty book-themed cocktails. Bluegrass Gr- Green Source will host its annual tacos and tequila fundraiser on Friday, August 18th. Snag a ticket to join the nonprofit at the Celestatory at the Greyline Station in Lexington, where you can snack on tacos, sip tequila, and learn more about how to build a more sustainable environment. The inaugural Louisville Black. The Black Chef Showcase will be held on Sunday, August 13th at the Henry Clay. The tasting event will feature over a dozen of Louisville's best black chefs. All profits from the event will benefit the Louisville Urban League. Tickets are $50. One of Northern Kentucky's largest distilleries showcased their recently renovated first floor. This past Saturday, New Riff hosted a grand opening that officially unveiled their upgraded gift shop, outdoor patio, and new tasting bar. And last but not least in news, Yelp named C- Copper and King's Distillery as the must-visit rooftop restaurant and bar in the Commonwealth. The Butcher Town spot there in Louisville features cocktails that showcase American brandy and a food menu that's driven by Kentucky's seasonally available fare. Up next is our Q&A with Justin Lavon, co-owner and head brewer of the Void Sake in Lexington. they got a lot of cool things happening. Enjoy.
0: Remember to check out Hops and Spirits on social media at Hops Spirits, all one word, on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also find Hops and Spirits on YouTube and at hopspirits.com.
1: Joining us for our Q&A this week, he's one of the co-owners, and he's the Tochi, or head brewer, there at the Void Sake in Lexington. Welcome in Justin Lavon.
0: Hi. Thanks for having me, man.
1: Absolutely. And did I say that right? Is it Toji? Is is that how you pronounce it?
0: Yeah, Toji. Or <laughs> I just say heteror, but people like to, <laughs> to use the, the lingo.
1: I like it. Well, we are talking about sake and it's something a little different, but it definitely fits in the drinks mold here in Kentucky. And before we jump into all of that, I call this the Cliff Notes version. Just a little bit about yourself because I've got plenty of questions to ask.
0: Okay. Um. So named, uh, Justin Levon, So I didn't initially, um, kind of took a, a roundabout way to get into brewing and, uh, owning a business, but, uh, started out, I got my, um, undergrad training in cell and developmental biology and at UK, um, did some graduate, st- uh, student work there. And then, uh, actually went into science teaching <laughs> and, uh, Did that for a little bit and then um, kind of stumbled into brewing. uh, Worked at a uh, local beer brewery here in town uh, and still kind of do their quality control um, work for them. Uh, But during that time, uh, well, I guess before that, then started home brewing and kind of got into it that way and then fell into the uh, commercial brewing through doing that quality control and then kind of stumbled upon sake uh we uh initially just kind of fell in love with the process it's a unique um we can talk more about like how it's made but um really one particular point in it uh or ingredient is called koji which is the mold that breaks down the starches for fermentation to happen but we had never uh, heard or messed with that organism so we did uh a bunch of like uh Beers for a for a festival with Japanese ingredients in the beers, and then the rest is kind of history. I guess we just kept kept messing around with uh, with making sake. The first time we made it, it wasn't half bad. It wasn't like <laughs> rice fire water, um, and then just kept perfecting the process over a couple of years, and then uh, got to the point where we felt comfortable uh,
1: pursuing.
0: You know, Kentucky's first. Uh, an only sake brewery at the moment
1: well and and i was gonna say how uh, you know i'm guessing you've uh had an itch you know being in that science background i think people if they don't know there's a ton of science that goes into brewing distilling everything it's not as simple as as fo- folks may may think when they're getting it you know on tap somewhere or, or a can but so i'm guessing did you always have a love of like say craft beer or, or, or stuff like that or or was that kind of just as things progressed you got more interested into things like that
0: uh, i think it, it started out like with the home brewing because that's um I'm sure a bunch of your, uh, viewers and listeners, uh, locally remember Pazzo's and they mm-hmm. used to do like the Wednesday night pint nights. Um, and I got, man, how long ago was that? That's probably 2010 or 2009 or something mm-hmm. like that, 2008. Um, and we started going to those cause I was working at UK at the time and that's kind of how I got into craft beer. And then using my science background to, to homebrew because um, that's where a lot of the micro uh, chemistry and microbiology aspect of it came from. And that was kind of my launching point into the craft beer world. And at that point it was, start, it was pretty, it was starting to boom here in, uh, in Kentucky. And I guess in the uh, the U S was kind of hitting its exponential growth um, in that time. But yeah. I just kind of kind of stumbled upon it and then fell in love with the whole like the craft and more like similar to how when somebody's cooking or baking they kind of fall in love with the processes and the science of it that way.
1: Well, and then obviously sake sake is a, a, a different route. Uh, is that another one that you just grew to love? Like, how did you stumble upon that beverage?
0: So, I had I had had sake before. Um, but it's pretty much like everybody's experiences. So when people come into the uh tasting room uh or tap room, uh they'll they don't have very much uh they've probably had sake a few times and it's usually at a hibachi place where they squirt it in your mouth, uh sake bombs, uh or they've had it with sushi and stuff. And so um I've had it before, um and Lexington's pretty unique. Uh, in Kentucky in that um, with the universities here there's a lot of uh, uh, foreign Asian foreign exchange students um, particularly from Japan and also with Toyota being here uh, there's also a lot of like ethnic uh, foods here Um, so pretty um, I guess pretty broad category of uh, stuff for people in Lexington to try and so that's kind of where i got more into it and it was just kind of like a fun drink you know unique beverage um but it wasn't until like actually making it that i kind of just went down the rabbit hole for it um uh but yeah
1: well and 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 speaking of that rabbit hole when did you know, you go from like, say doing this as a home brew or kind of with the brewery that you were, you used to kind of work with and so forth and go, okay, we can make this a business. Like there, there's a hole here. Obviously there's no, you're the, the one and only in Kentucky. And I'm sure probably one of the only few in the U S in general. So when did, was it like, Hey, let's, let's make a business out of this.
0: Um, it was kind of, well, I guess early, well, I guess kind of in the later stages of home brewing, um, myself and also the the two other owners brandon flown and and joe rice uh, we had we had all been home brewers before brandon probably more or probably for the longest um because uh, he actually opened up ethereal brewing and that's kind of where we met is when i was working with ethereal brewing but um with uh home brewing it's kind of you like any hobby you start small and then you you know buy all the toys and work your way up and get more and more complex um and it wasn't until i started working in the commercial brewing scene or or commercial or beverage and things like that learning kind of what goes into um uh i guess the quality control of it and consistency is the big thing um because a lot of people have when you start homebrewing and you taste stuff it's man this is really good i could make this for like people to buy and you know that's no not the full story but you know working in a commercial scene getting that consistency down and kind of those um order of operations and kind of critical procedures for like making something that people want to buy on a consistent basis um, but it wasn't until I'd say it was probably once we started home or, you know, making this stuff on our own, trying to get as much information as we could, because at that time there wasn't a lot of English translated material. Um, but once we got to a point where we were consistently making a good product and in, in our minds, um, and then we saw the potential for it to only get better. Um, especially when you scale things up, when you're kind of, doing it in your garage uh once you get on a bigger scale and you can kind of automate it and mechanize it a little bit more then you can start nailing inconsistency but would probably say after about two three years when we started brewing it um we got to a point where this is really good um we can't get anything else in our market here now that was probably about five years ago um which has changed since then but even now, like a lot of the stuff is kind of mass and in our market, we kind of fill a specific niche that those products don't fulfill. Um, and that's where we kind of saw that. And then that we kind of said to ourselves like, yeah, this, I think this could be, you know, a sustainable business. And uh, then we took the leap.
1: Well, and so far so good. And we'll, we'll talk about that here in a second. Cause you guys just celebrated your, your, your two year anniversary and obviously I'm sure there's a lot that has gone on in those two years. But how did you guys settle on the name the Void Saki? Uh
0: we you should tell people too like that because we're the first only in, in Kentucky and then really there's only I think at at this recording probably like nineteen twenty ish sake or crap sake breweries in the US or North America rather. Um so The name kind of came from uh, our love of kind of sci-fi and science related stuff, particularly like we like um, kind of cosmic horror type stuff and like sci-fi horror, Um, but also kind of turning that on its head where it's where that the theme is kind of fear of the unknown. Um, Saki is kind of an unknown niche beverage, but we kind of like to twist that and say it's it's a fun thing. So the intrigue of what's not known about this kind of mystery beverage. Um, but also, too, like Void, we're filling the void of of sake and, and sake consumers in this area and region. Um, but we're all nerds at heart. And so the kind of uh, branding and iconography behind the Void uh, grew out of our love for nerdy stuff and sci-fi and gaming and actually like uh, D&D and tabletop <laughs> role-playing is kind of that nautical kind of occult mystery sci-fi theme kind of grew out of that.
1: I love that. I, I love it. It's always cool to see where, where a name can come from. Cause sometimes it's very simple. Then other times there's a lot that that's behind it. And it's cool to see that story. And you, you touched on this too, with, um, talking about the, the process of of making, um, <clears throat> you know, sake is definitely different than, than beer because you're you're fermenting, you know, the the koji. How different though is it, and is there any similarities between it and say say beer that folks might be um, used to?
0: Yeah, so I guess the biggest thing is um, with with beer brewing, all the kind of labor and and stuff that you're doing is front loaded, so you're doing your mash you know you, you have your malted barley you're adding hot water to it to release those enzymes then you hold it at a that temperature for a little bit to get your sugar then you move it to another tank you boil it you add your hops then you move it to another tank and you add your yeast so that's what we call more or less like i wouldn't beer it's not really a simple fermentation but it's kind of that one stage fermentation whereas wine you know, you have all your sugar already and, you, you know, smash the grapes, crush them, and then add your yeast. Same thing with cider. Um, those would be more or less simple fermentation. Saki is a little bit more complex um, because we don't use malted rice. Uh, so the rice we get is milled. And so we're doing that to kind of shave off all the outer bits of the rice, which has a lot of the flavor um, in rice. So we're trying to remove mainly the fats and kind of other proteins that can give sake more robust flavors. um, And we're milling that away. So we're trying to get to the center of that grain, um, which is kind of just the starchy center. So we're concentrating those starches. Well, that embryo that they use for malting to germinate the seed, to create the enzymes is is long and dead. So we need another organism to break down those starches. So the yeast can ferment. And that's where the koji comes in. So already, we're we're milling our grain. We're not malting it. Uh, we have a second organism that we're growing on that on a portion of that rice, and then we're adding that with more rice. So we have koji rice. We have fresh steamed rice, water, and yeast. And those are kind of the the four main ingredients in sake. So those get thrown into a tank, and they're all just mashing and fermenting together um, so in the sake biz we call that multiple parallel fermentation which is just or um uh, uh, oh what do you call it Um uh, that multiple parallel fermentation or uh, uh, the name escapes me but anyway so we're having the koji breaking down the sugars and the yeast fermenting those sugars all happening in the same tank Uh, so that's one key difference so the mash and the fermentation are at the same time whereas beer you know you mash you boil and you ferment it same thing with wine you may mash smash the grapes get the juice out and then ferment it Uh, so there's some technical challenges there to make sure that you get all your sugar and all your alcohol there Um, but because we're doing that we have to have tanks where we can manually agitate and stir the stir it um, and once you build that up to a certain scale it's either just more muscle power or to mechanize stir it uh, but that's the biggest thing and too, and then the alcohol generation is much slower and longer it's more akin to a lager ferment mm-hmm. or even like a, like a very long uh, wine ferment so we keep it cold, so a low and slow fermentation, so we're not getting a lot of boozy alcohols out of it. Um and then after that you gotta press it, so you gotta separate all that unwanted bits in the yeast from that. Um and then yeah, it goes into a tank. So there's some similarities there, but the biggest thing is the fermentations are completely different.
1: Well, it sounds like a little water. bit of a, a labor of love, too.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, as I was saying before, with beer and wine, a lot of that, a lot of that stuff is front-loaded at the beginning, and then you know, there's some other labor and stuff that goes into, you know, uh, filtering, fining, conditioning. That with sake, it's spread throughout the entire process. Um,
1: so, not a so, whole lot of down uh, days for you.
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> and And two, and then another thing to think about, like in in our batches, um you have to steam a lot of rice, and so it's not just putting on a lot like tabletop rice steamers, you know, it's we're steaming anywhere from uh like a hundred to three hundred pounds of rice at once. and so that there's some other engineering and technical challenges that come into that as well. Um, so steaming the rice, not burning yourself, cooling it down so you can add it and not cook your yeast. Uh, uh, but as far as similarities, the equipment, um, we, we're we're uh, not being in Japan, like we don't have access to a lot of specialized equipment that they do over there. Uh, we can get it, but it's very expensive to ship it over. And it's getting better. Um, with the boom of sake in the US, um, there's more companies coming over from Japan to kind of sell and um, uh, distribute equipment over here. But we've had to retrofit a lot of our equipment from existing brewery brewery and winemaking equipment. Um, and then a few pieces that we had to make or uh, get uh, commissioned to fabricate uh, completely from from scratch. So.
1: Well, it, it seems to be going well well for y'all cuz like I said you just celebrated your 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 2-year anniversary and you know what's what's it been like, you know, that that reception and also I'm guessing you're doing a lot of education every time someone comes to yes. visit.
0: That was part of the um like one of our core goals moving into the business. So, when we said, you know, it's not just making good socking. It's a niche product that not people have heard about, they've had it maybe on the off couple of times but they don't know about it and so building that appreciation for a beverage that you know that we love and appreciate um but also educating people so that's a big thing and it, it went into like when we opened or when we were wanting to open this business is how we're going to educate the public uh to appreciate not just our product but just Saki in general and so we do um uh, tours and tastings, we, um, we, so uh, the three owners and my uh, the two other owners and myself, we've got, we took a professional sake course to kind of get some, you know, accolades to, um, to show people that, you know, you we're know, taught, but also um, to give people that reassurance and also that education piece. So when they come into the bar. Um, and this, this, it started out with just us because we were just educating face to face. So it was just us behind the bar. And so we had that direct connection with our consumers. Um, but now that we have more bar staff, um, we make a point to educate our staff, to give them the resources, um, to be able to talk to customers, um, and also, you know, spread, spread the same love that they have and we have about the product. Um, as far as reception goes i think with that being one of our core kind of tenants of the business or values um people see that and the they are the reception has been very very good um a lot of people in lexington and central kentucky in general and even kentucky overall um lexington craft beer drinkers are very adventurous so they're willing to try anything once or twice, um, so that's why we kind of stuck here. Um, is we know the craft. We we were familiar with the craft beer community and kind of the adventurous as- uh, adventurous aspect of of that culture, and uh, kind of catering to that to bring people in with more non traditional sakes, which you wouldn't really find in Japan, but are more American craft focus. And then we can, you know, kind of educate them more about more of the traditional, you know, styles uh, that what that we offer or what sake has to offer.
1: Well, I was going to say, you know, when people go there and visit, you know, they're going to be probably amazed that you guys kind of do those, what some might consider experimental, you know, and that, you know, you could get a coffee <laughs> style so- yeah. sake, you know, like with Nate's coffee and things like that. So you guys are kind of bridging that little gap between, you know, craft beer and, and, and sake.
0: Yeah, and so we we kind of joke is like our little, you know, tagline is where Japanese tradition meets American craft, and so kind of our like I guess uh, uh, philosophy is that if you're gonna you know introduce people to a new beverage, kind of meet them closer to where they're at, but also give them uh, avenues to kind of expand their their horizons. So kind of focusing on very experimental stuff. Um, people, stuff that people are more familiar with, like you said, uh, coffee infused sake. People love coffee infused beers. Um, fr- like, and then also too, like we initially early on, uh, we had done, or myself and Brandon had done a lot with meads, which is, you know, honey wine, fermented honey. But a big part of that is fruited, fruited meads or fruited wines. So we have things like tangerine creamsicle or uh, blueberry and espresso, um, chata infused. So things to to get people pique their interest and kind of wow them uh, uh, to bring them into the door. And then we then like once they're in front of us, then they're an open book, and we can kind of educate and start from nothing and build onto something.
1: Well, and another way I think you guys have been able to bring some some folks in the doors is, I I think there's a love of music there as well because y'all have pulled yes. in some pretty cool bands. You know, uh, I think Mama said string bands coming up here soon. Uh, the string dusters were there. Like, uh, who who's got the love of music that's able to to be pulling in some of these fun groups?
0: <laughs> uh, all of us have a, a pretty eclectic like love of just any music, um, whether it's like. Uh, jazz actually we, we were bottling jamming out to some like uh like subway street jazz and then um bluegrass uh so i'd say that my uh, so i'm i'm probably not the biggest music nerd but brandon and joe especially um they're like lo- they, they have a big love for for um bluegrass and uh things like that and that's that's where it kind of started from um And we used to all hang out at the Borough, uh, Manchester Music Hall, the Dame, back in the day. Uh, So that it it just kind of grew from that. And the space that we have um, is we try to keep that, like, very low-lit, intimate kind of feel and vibe. And, And I used to go to a lot of kind of jazz kind of bars with my dad and you know i i love that kind of intimate aspect of it and it just kind of organically grew from there and so the space is conducive to that live you know one on one small music or small venue atmosphere and so yeah saki and music is just a a match a match yeah. made, made in heaven
1: well, you could do mash too. I think that could work. <laughs> yeah, MASH yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, a mash, yeah. <laughs> and and you know, you in addition to the to the void, you also I believe have the Emerge Saki Seltzer brand too. Is that right? And and what yeah. how did that come about and why did that come about?
0: So when we first opened up, um we initially uh I think we we were about to uh sign a lease for another location to be able to do that brew pub kind of concept and it was going to be a sake and brahmin, you know bar but then the shutdown happens and then we had to pivot so we we were like well we know production and distribution so we'll focus on that that's where we kind of found our current location um but then once we opened up we were like we need like a physical place for people to come in and try stuff so then we built out our tasting room and tap room and at that point, you know, we had some food trucks coming in, but the, we were just coming off the pandemic and there wasn't a lot of options. And so for people to come in, you can't really have very many 15, 13% alcohols without food. <laughs> and so it started off with a low alcohol option for people because um, especially in Japan, um, carbonated sakes are are pretty popular and low, and generally they're they can be wine, kind of our sake strength, that 10 to 12 percent, but some of them are lower alcohol. And so we wanted a lower alcohol option for people so they can stay a little longer, enjoy themselves more often when we do have food trucks. Um, and they just kind of took off because uh, we went for something that people were familiar with. We call them sake seltzers because they kind of drink like a seltzer, but it's our it's our base Sake. It's just five percent instead of fifteen percent carbonated. Uh, we use all natural, we infuse it with all natural ingredients, all natural flavors. Um and it's just a very dry, crisp crusher. Um that, you know, in the su- in the summer, particularly when we started them, uh, people just took to them and uh and then yeah, we made a whole new other brand on them, those emerge uh uh sparkling sake seltzer brands uh that have continued to kind of just be a uh a hit in the in the tasting room
1: well and it it sounds like things are are going well and you guys are doing a lot but like i said it's only year two technically when the doors have been open and and folks have been able to come in and and try and i guess what does uh the future hold for y'all and what 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 are are some of the visions that you guys hope to, to see happen
0: well so we are um We've been trying to go into that original concept that we had with with food and to, to do ramen because that, that's where kind of all of, or the three of us kind of fell in love with sake. Um, we used to go to uh, local uh, Japanese restaurants, um, uh, school sushi, Michikusa, Tachibana. And like after work, we would just have like parties where we just drink ramen and drink some sake. Um, and so we wanted to have that, that ramen component to it. Um, so kind of in the future, we're, we're expanding into food. We've, uh, secured a food truck, uh, probably in the next week or two, uh, from this recording, we're going to do our soft open for, um, the voids kind of, uh, ramen food truck. So we'll have a dedicated food option on site for us, uh, looking to expand the tap room. Um, month over month and year over year, it's been steadily growing. Um, and, uh, so just to kind of put, put more sake or put sake in more people's hands and or liquid the lips as we, as we say, um, and just to kind of build, you know, organically and not too fast, but kind of be like Kentucky's number one sake. Um, so, yeah, a lot of also to now more traditional styles. Um, one of the things during the shutdown is we couldn't go. We had a trip to Japan plans uh, to do some more learning. But Japan has just opened its borders. And um, so one of the things that we're getting to do now is we're working with our uh, national trade organization and a brewery in Japan to be able to go. To Japan for two weeks to learn uh, to learn more about brewing sake. So just trying to perfect our craft and expand it a little bit more. Um, and uh, yeah, so a lot we we have a lot of things going on, kind of in the background. But there's a lot of exciting things that we have lined up for for the void. Whether it's new exciting sakes, doing more traditional, uh, more experimental stuff. We did. Uh, we released kind of our, the sake equivalent of a port, <laughs> um, which we didn't know how well it would be received and it's people have loved it so far so doing, you know, building up more of, of that uh, kind of cool experimental repertoire or our repertoire with with some of that our offerings so
1: that sounds like some some good things are are in the future for y'all and and a a fun trip as well. And and Justin, thanks for sharing the story of, of the void and also of uh, sake.
0: Yeah, it was a pleasure to to kind of share our love for sake, and hopefully, um, um, your viewers will see this. And if they've never had sake before, come on, give it a try. It's it's a it's a very magical beverage. So.
1: And soon to to be paired with some uh, ramen noodles.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, we have we have pretty uh, often updates on social media, I mean, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, so check us out there. Um, like I said, the food truck is is happening real real soon. So that'll be opening up, and so you'll have some uh, can, some of Kentucky's best ramen to pair with some of Kentucky's uh, best sake.
1: Find more from Hops and Spirits at HopsSpirits.com. Thanks, everybody. Bye.